Welcome to the I Matter Podcast. Future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Welcome to the I Matter Podcast. Now, I know that different countries run their financial years across different periods. Here in Australia, we run from July to June, and I'm recording this in the middle of June. So that means that right now, we're close to the end of our financial year here in Australia. It's the time that many businesses look at their future and they start making plans for the next 12 months. So I thought I would make this episode for business owners in particular. And we'll talk about the viability of your business. And if you're not in Australia, don't worry. Everything that my guest talks today about is relevant for any business owner. So my guest today is John Denton. Now, John specializes in buying, growing, and selling businesses. Now, before you think that this isn't relevant for you because you're not really thinking of selling a business, don't worry. I should say that John's advice is still relevant for you. He points out that businesses that can be sold for a good price are those that are running strongly. So even if you're not planning to sell, the things that you should do to make it saleable are exactly the same things that you should do to keep it strong. So let's listen to my conversation with John. Hello, this is Gihan Pereira. Today I'm speaking with John Denton, and John is an expert in helping people buy and sell businesses and get their businesses ready for sale, which generally means that uh, improving their businesses, so as if they were ready for sale, so adding value to them. And he works with business owners one-on-one, he works with groups, and he runs seminars and workshops. So it's not only if you're ready to sell your business now, but if you're a business owner or a business leader and you want to improve the value of your business so that even if you don't sell it, it does better for you, then John Denton's the person you should speak with. So welcome, John. Pleasure to be here, Gian. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, great to have you, John. And uh, the reason I'm particularly interested in speaking with you is because I know there are many business owners and business leaders who are pretty in deep with their business and they spend day day in, day out operating within the business and they don't necessarily think about the value of their business. So it's great to have you here to give people the chance to stick their head out, maybe take a big picture view and look at the value of their business. So that's what we're going to look at today. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about your background, John, and how you got into this and why you're so passionate about this now. Sure, Gian. I was in the IT industry for a long time, probably about 27 years. Mm-hmm. And then I got out of that and started a training business in January 97. And that was uh, under license, which became a, a franchise. And when I started that, the goal was to, to, to build it and sell it at some point. But um, like a lot of people, I fell in love with the business and really enjoyed mm. what I was doing and the clients and never really thought about how I was going to sell it or get out of the business. And when it came to oh, six years down the track, um, I got together with a business partner and we set ourselves a goal to exit with equity in three years. And that was a very interesting exercise. At the end of the three years, we uh, put the business on the market with the help of the franchisor. And we spent five months going through a lot of pain and agony, talking to prospective buyers and giving them information and going through a whole lot of emotion and still not selling the business. Mm. And it was um, at the point where we were about to give up that a a good friend of mine referred me to a business broker in Perth and said, this guy is the best broker in town, if not Australia. Um, If if it's a good business, he'll sell it. So we went to see this gentleman, and um, sure enough, he put us through a process. And the... The first thing was that he put a value on the business, which was $80,000 more than we'd been trying to sell it for. Hmm. So what we realized, again at that point was that we had no idea how to really value a business and put a market value on it. 
And then this guy took us through a process and he said, look, I'm not going to deviate from this process because selling a business is a process. And if we follow the process, it will sell. And sure enough, we went through the process, put the business on the market. And within about two or three weeks, we had offers. He negotiated the offers and we got the full price for it. And again, that was such a a mind-opening exercise that, A, it made me realize how little we knew about selling a business. And I quickly learned after that experience that most of the business owners don't know what they don't know, basically, because it's the sort of thing that a business owner does once or twice, if, you know, at all. And so it's really a case of not knowing what you don't know. And if you if you get it wrong, you can end up, A, losing out financially, but also uh, getting into a whole lot of strife after the sale. So it was at that point that I... I'd made up my mind I was going to go out coaching anyway and consulting. And so it gave me my niche was to go and educate other business owners on how to get their businesses ready for sale and not go through all that um, wasted time and potentially lose out on some money as well. And then because I kept going back to the broker who had sold the business for us, to ask him about values and stuff. He said, look, go and do the course, become a registered sales rep and you can work with us and sell businesses. So I did that for five years. But my real passion was working with business owners and helping them get to the point of sale. But it was five years of really, really valuable experience. I sold everything again from motorbike wrecking businesses to training businesses, fast food businesses, wholesale and distribution, auto service in the whole raft. And it was a fantastic experience. And that's all the stuff that I bring to bear now with the business owners that I'm working with. I'm just curious, John, you said that you help a lot of people sell their businesses or get the business to the point where it's ready for sale. I know you do a lot of business mentoring now, and I'm sure that some of the people that you work with don't want to sell, but they do want to increase the value of their business. What's the split in in terms of your clients? Do you find that most of the people you work with are ready to sell, or are there just some smart, forward-thinking business owners who want to increase the value of their business, even if they've got no intention of selling it? Yeah, it's a good mix, actually. I've got some pretty smart uh, business owners I'm working with who've got a three-year or four-year goal to sell their business in three or four years down the track. And that's the perfect sort of time frame to be working on getting your business saleable. And I'll explain a little bit what, why that is later. And then I've got other people that just want to have that option. They've got no intention of selling now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in one case, um, we're working on a business model where it's almost like a franchise. So It's not a case of selling the business once, but selling the business many times and getting it to that point where it can be sold, you know, on a cookie cutter franchise type Mm -hmm. model. So it's a good mix, Gian. It's everything from, yes, I just want to have a good business that will run without me having to be there to I've got a three year, four year plan and I want to get out in three or four years and go and do something else. Yeah, great. Great. And I know you mentioned that you, uh, the, your mentor, your first mentor talked about a process and said, follow the process. And I'd, I noticed that you also have a process, or at least you've got some key things. And I'm sure that comes from years and years of experience. You've distilled what you've learned into these six key ideas. And uh, I first came across them, John, when you um, sent me a mind map of these ideas and that you called it uh, tips for having a valuable and saleable business. And uh, it starts off by saying a saleable business is well worth keeping. And so you've got these six things. And I'd like to go through them, John, because it seems like, oh, let me check with you. Are they the six things that apply 
uh, overall to pretty much any business? Yes, any business. And they're the six key areas that business owners should be thinking about, whether they're selling or not. Okay, so when you say that, do you mean that they should be thinking about it all the time? So I, for example, should be thinking about all these six things every day, or is it once a year if I do annual planning? Is it when I'm thinking about uh, selling my business in five years' time? At what le- at what point should I be doing this thinking? All the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's it's about um, keeping these things in front of mind, but obviously working on like when I'm coaching or consulting with a client. We'll pick the one or two key things that are going to make the difference now and then work on those and then pick the next one. So we keep reviewing it. And what I do with all of my clients is I do an appraisal on the business up front. So from day one, we know what the business is worth, you know, and that's point one on my mind map there. Okay, well, let's start with that one. Actually, I've got a question before that, John, because you've, you've identified some of the things as business issues and some of them as owner issues. Tell me what the difference is and why they're significant. Yeah, so the, the business issues are things that are general uh, good business practices and the, the owner issues are things that can you know only be fixed by the owner, um, like attitudes and their own thinking around the business. Mm. So that's an owner issue. Um, business issues are just everyday business practices that need to be refined. Okay. And it's probably significant that there are more owner issues than business issues in your <laughs> in your process. It all starts with the owner, yeah. All right. So let's, let's go through this because I think uh, people might be interested in finding out what those six things are. So let's go through them one at a time. So the first one you already alluded to is knowing what your business is worth. Yes, that's a thing I find that very, very few business owners have got much idea on how a value is put on a business when it's put onto the market. And uh, certainly we didn't fully understand that. We had some thoughts around how it's to do with profit. But what happens when a business is appraised for the market is that uh, the broker or I look at what the adjusted net profit is for the business. So, Gian, if you think about profit and loss statements mm-hmm. uh, that your accountant does for your tax returns, you're paying your accountant usually to try to minimize your tax. The way the accountant does that is by minimizing the profit that the business is showing. Mm-hmm. Well, when you come to sell a business, because the value is based on the profit, you want to show as much profit as you can. So we undo some of the things that the accountant's done for you in terms of putting back into the bottom line profit the discretionary or non-cash things in the business. So, for example, uh, depreciation Mm. is one. It's not cash out of the business. It's an allowance that the tax office gives you. Uh, The owner might be paying himself $120,000 a year. A new owner might only want to pay himself $40,000 a year. You might be driving a Ferrari and put that through the business. The new owner may want to drive a high Hyundai, I don't know. Mm. You know. So there are things that are discretionary and things that are not cash. So what we try to do is show what cash the business is generating before those items. And then we look at what is the risk to that profit continuing under a new owner. And there's a whole lot of things that come into that in terms of the client base and leases and what industry the business is in, whether the numbers have been going up and down. Um, so we, we put all that together and then uh, come up with a value based on the adjusted net profit 
and an expected return on investment to a buyer. So it's a bit difficult to explain without a whiteboard and or a piece of paper, Guillaume, but that's the crux of it. It's the adjusted net profit and the risk to that profit. I remember uh, going to my accountant some years ago, John, I wasn't thinking of selling my business, but I was kind of curious about what the value was. And to this point, he mentioned that uh, I had a number of people who, and, and still do, who are paying me a monthly license fee for consulting and for website services at the time. And I didn't have long-term contracts with them. And so he said, even though you're getting quite a good income every month and it's a recurring income, which you don't have to keep going back to clients for, if you sell the business to somebody else, that new owner is going to think all his clients might leave tomorrow and I won't have any business at all. So is that the sort of thing you're talking about when you're thinking about risk? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, what's the risk to that revenue and the profit continuing on? Um, I mean, having recurring income, by the way, for your business is excellent. That's really, really good. It's not like the business is dependent upon a, a sale, a new sale all the time. So that's why subscription services and things now are becoming so popular. Um, it, it is really good. But again, you know, a, a buyer is going to look at that and say, well, when I take over the business, what's the drop-off likely to be or how can I increase that? Rent rolls are a good example of a similar sort of thing. You do have contracts with a rent roll. But a buyer's going to look at that and say, well, you know, how long are those contracts? Are they three-month rentals, six months, 12 months? What's the quality of them? And somebody would do the same with your business gear and they would look at how long people have been with you Mm -hmm. and see what the turnover has been over a period of time and say, well, there's a track record. Let's base it on that. You know, so it would depend upon how often you've got new clients how often you lost clients, how long clients stayed for. That's why it's important to keep all the data and facts about your business. It seems to me, John, that it seems obvious that you should be trying to maximize the value of your business. But I've also heard people say, leave something in there for the next person. What's your view about that? Well, that's um, very important as well, and it's quite right. You want to be able to show a buyer that there is some room for growth there is still something left in the business Um, and you don't want to rip the buyer off uh, (laughs) price wise obviously you want to get the best price you can but at the same time uh, you want the buyer to think that or to understand that there is still some potential to grow the business and expand into other areas most business buyers want to grow the business they're buying if they think it's maxed out then they're not going to be so interested Yeah. Okay, great. Let's talk about money, John. That's the second one, which is financials. And I know you've kind of touched on that and you've already mentioned it, alluded to it a couple of times. Tell me about the financials for looking at a saleable business. (laughs) Yes. It's amazing how many businesses I get asked to look at um, and appraise. And I ask for the financials and they're they're not ready or they haven't been finalized or or they're in a mess, basically. where where do I start? The thing is, keep keep good financials. Keep all your financials up to date. Reconcile them regularly. Do your tax returns regularly. Um, keep them as clean as possible. So keep as much personal stuff out of the business as you can. And that's why I was saying before, you know, it can take three years to have a really good set of clean financials because sometimes people put a lot of personal stuff through the business. Mm-hmm. And 
that all that really needs to come out. I mean, we can do it with the addbacks and adjustments when we're looking at the profit, but it's just so much better for a buyer to be able to see a nice, clean set of financials mm. and up-to-date financials. You know, there's um, yeah, nothing worse than trying to do an appraisal on a business and they haven't done their tax returns for 2014 yet, if you know what I mean. So keep really good records. And those discretionary type spending things that I was talking about, like the owner's wages, the owner's super, keep them separate on the accounts. Mm. So account for them separately. Set your accounts up to suit you, the business owner. You should do this anyway, whether you're thinking of selling or not. Your financials are your instrument panel as to how your business is going. So set them up to give you the data and information you need to make good decisions in the business. Your bookkeeper or your accountant will tend to set them up to suit their requirements or the tax office. You've really got to structure them to tell you what you need to know about the business. Yes. I remember somebody saying to me when the GST was first introduced, even though there were many businesses complaining about the extra burden on them, I remember somebody saying it's probably the best thing that's happened to Australian businesses because they're forced to calculate and report monthly or quarterly, which also means that they're forced to keep better records. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Um, But still, people still get slack. And another thing on that I'll say is that with income, you know, don't just have one line saying sales or income. If you've got different product lines and different types of income, then split them up mm. so, so that a buyer can see how much is coming from walk-in sales, online sales, how much is coming from services. And, you know, and again, it's just knowing that information yourself helps you to drive the business as well. So I, I get a bit passionate about it because it's just common sense to me that you want to know what's happening in your business. And when yep. you're selling it, the buyer wants to know what's happening in your business as well. Absolutely. All right, so that's actually the financials in terms of keeping your records. Number three is about improving the net profit. So these are the numbers that actually go into the financials or maybe come out of the financials. Yes, that's right. And one of my favorite sayings, it, it's not an original one. I got it from somebody else, but it was, you know, it's not about, turnover it's about leftover right yes so quite often when someone contacts me and says oh can you give me an appraisal on my business tell me what it what it's worth it's doing 2.2 million dollars or whatever i'll say look it's not about the turnover what's your profit and then i get all sorts of excuses oh yes well you realize that you know so no it's about the profit so that's the first thing to remember that if if you're going to improve the value, you need to improve the profit. And it's not about the turnover. I've got some businesses at the moment where the turnover has dropped off slightly. And in one case, it's because the business has got rid of some of the smaller, less profitable clients. Mm. And what that's done is, although it's slightly lowered the turnover, it's actually increased the profit. Mm. And now the business owner and the business can concentrate on the better quality clients that are bringing in more of the profit so sometimes you've got to prune the business a little bit Um, so don't focus on the the turnover focus on the profitability and again it's about knowing your numbers which are the profitable products which are the profitable services am i charging enough Um, how do i get resales how do i get that recurring income coming in and things like that so 
really it comes down to knowing your numbers, Gian. What's your thinking, John, about profit versus cash flow? Because I've heard some people also say that it's okay to have a profitable business, but if you don't have positive cash flow, you can go broke very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's um, very important when somebody's buying a business um, that they understand what the working capital requirements and what the cash flow is as well. <laughs> so, yes, that, it's very true. This is where understanding your, your debtors and creditors comes in. If you're having to pay suppliers within 14 days, but you're not getting the money in for a month or two months or three months, then that's a pretty poor cash flow business. I mentioned before that I sold an auto servicing business. Now, an auto servicing business, from a cash flow point of view, is a great kind of business to have because, you know, you take your business, you take your car in to get serviced. They put it up on the ramps. They phone you up and they say, well, this is how much for the service, mm-hmm. but you're going to need brakes and you're going to need brake pads, you're going to need this, and that's going to cost you that. And you say, yep, go ahead and do it. That business then orders those parts from their supplier. Mm-hmm. The parts come in, they fit the parts. You come in in the late afternoon, pick up your car. You don't get your car back until you pay for it. Mm-hmm. So now they've got payment for that, for the manpower, for the parts, before they've had to pay the staff and before they've had to pay the supplier. You know, so from a cash flow point of view, that's a really good business. Whereas you've got other businesses where you're having to hold lots of stock or pay up front for things, but you don't get the money till later, then you can go yeah, go broke waiting to get the money in. Mm. So it's all about understanding your cash flow and when you've got to pay for things and when money's going to come in. So that's a big one as well. Yeah. Okay, great. So we've gone through three of the six things, John. So just to summarize where we are so far, we talked about knowing what your business is worth, get the financials right and keep your records well and improve the net profit. And I should have mentioned those last two financials and net profit are two of those things which you've identified as business issues. And that first one, which was an owner issue, is knowing what your business is worth. And the next three are all owner issues. So the next one is making sure that the business isn't dependent on the owner. I'm sure this is a big challenge for many smaller businesses and maybe even businesses that have grown from smaller businesses to medium or large businesses. Mm, Absolutely right. People often start a business because they're an entrepreneur or they're a great tradesperson or something like that. And over time, if they're successful and build the business, they end up the business. If they don't separate themselves from the business at some point, then it becomes very difficult to sell because the business is built around them. I mean, you're a fan of Matt Church, and I'm a fan of Matt Church. Mm-hmm. And in his book, you know, Sell Your Thoughts, um, he talks about a business and a practice. And quite often when people call me up and I start to question them about um, their, in inverted commas, business, it turns out that what they've got is a practice, not a business, because it's built around them. So the two biggest challenges that small business owners have is delegating, getting other people to Mm. do stuff and systems, putting systems in place. You know, Matt Church says a business is built on systems whereas a practice is built on an expert. You can sell a business. You can't sell a practice. Uh, But you can turn a practice into a business and I've got clients that have done that. So, yes, it's, you know, very important that the business gets him, uh, the business owner gets himself out of the business. And just a, a quick example on that, Gian, I went to see a, 
a business in uh, Joondalup some years ago run by a guy called Dave. And he said, look, I want to sell. I've, I've done really well. The business has grown. I want to sell. I want to get out of here. And he and his wife were working in the business. And I looked at the figures and I said, Dave, this is really great. It's profitable. It's grown in the last couple of years. I said, you really need another 12 months of figures to show that it's sustainable. But also you need to separate yourself and your wife out of the business. You need to get out of the business. You need systems and probably a general manager to run the business. And I put him onto someone to, to help him systemize the business. I don't get in and do that, but I know people who can help with that. And I said, look, I'll give you a call in six months and see how you're going. And to his credit, he took, took my advice. He, he got the person in that I recommended. Six months later, when I phoned him up and said, Dave, are you ready to sell now? He said, no, mate. He said, I'm, I'm in Bali. This is the first holiday I've had in years. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, look, just give me a call when you're ready to sell. Okay. He said, yeah, yeah, I will. I got, it was about two years before I got another call from Dave. And the, when the call came through, I saw who it was. I said, Dave, are you ready to sell now? He said, no, mate, no. He said, he said I've bought um, premises in Wangara. I've bought the place next door. I want you to help me find a business to buy to add on to my business. Mm-hmm. You know, so just by separating himself from the business, having a holiday, taking some of the pain away, um, so now he didn't want to sell. That's why I say a saleable business is well worth keeping. Um, and, and Dave is a prime example, and he, he tells the story to people. So he's a, a big advocate for systems and separating yourself from the business. Yeah, and that's a perfect example, isn't it, John, of saying that um, you, know, you might be willing to, you might be ready to sell or you think you're ready to sell because you're tired, you're frustrated, you're fatigued. And yet there could be some things that you do in the business that give you a new lease of business life and a, a new burst of enthusiasm for the business. Mm, absolutely right. And I, that's one of the things that um, I really, really enjoy. When you start working with a business owner to help them get their business ready for sale, it suddenly gives them a new lease of life because now they can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, they're working towards something and suddenly the, some of the pain in the business starts to go away. Mm. How do you convince people who are really busy, they're already working 60 or 80-hour weeks, they're already working really hard to just keep things going, to take a step back and do things like look at systems and processes, maybe even employing a general manager or delegating. All of those things take extra time, and it must seem very tempting to just put that to the back burner until you, until you find the time. Mm, absolutely right. It is, and with some people... Again, you just can't convince them that they need to work on the business as well as in it. Um, Jim Rowan, the late, great Jim Rowan, used to say, save your plasma for the living, you know. So sometimes mm. you've, uh, there are some people you just can't work with. But, <clears throat> excuse me, overall, um, it's a question of just showing them a few simple things that they can do that will start to free up a bit of time. You know, look at the biggest pain point in the business and work out a system or a process to automate something or get somebody external to the business to do it for them. And now that frees up a bit of time for them. So now they can spend that bit of time working on something else. And slowly you can build it up so that they get more and more time back. And once people start to see the benefit, then, you know, they, they keep going. And a lot of the stuff that you teach, Guillaume, with your e-gurus group, you know, I've used quite a bit of that to help people outsource things 
instead of doing mm. brochures and flyers for marketing themselves, it's very easy these days to get somebody else to do it and free up your time. And they can probably do it better and quicker than you can. Um, and some online tools and cloud-based tools that you've taught us as well. You know, I use some of them and I show these people how they can use that to free up their time. So it's just spoon-feeding them little bits and showing them the rewards and the benefits and then they'll keep going. Yeah, great, great. And I'm really glad that you've taken advantage of those resources, John. That's fantastic. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. So I think the next two are really about business owners who are ready to sell. So number five is are you personally ready to sell? So how do you get yourself ready to sell? Mm, and this is, again, it's a business owner thing because like the previous one, it's a mindset mm-hmm. issue. And I always ask people um, if they're thinking about selling or if they come to me and say, I want to sell. I, one of the first questions I asked is, well, what are you going to do after the sale? Mm. What, what do you, why are you selling? Why, what are you going to move on to? And particularly with older people, uh, the baby boomers, which I'm, I tend to work with a lot of baby boomers because there's a lot of baby boomers now looking to retire and you know, sell up and enjoy life. And I say to them, well, what are you going to do with your time? What are you going to do after the sale? For two reasons. One, they will probably only go through with it if they've got something better to go to. Mm-hmm. And the other one is that um, they may need to spend some time with the new business owner to help the new business owner transition into the business. And that's something that they need to be prepared for as well. You know, are they prepared to spend a couple of weeks, a couple of months? In some cases, if it's a bit more of a practice type business, then they may have to do an earnout over six mm-hmm. months or a year or even longer. Again, it's every case is different, Gian, but it's getting themselves prepared and knowing what they're going to be doing. And again, you know, why are they exiting the business? Are they just tired of the business? Um, so it, there have been cases where I've seen a broker get a sale for someone and at the 11th hour the seller has asked to pull out of the sale. And it was because, like, they were losing their baby. This was mm. – <laughs> it had been their baby. They'd created the business. They'd built it up, and they had nothing to go on to. They didn't know what they were going to do when they didn't have the business anymore. Unfortunately, they were able to work with the broker and the accountants and get out of the contract. It's pretty difficult to do that. But they just – in the end, they just couldn't – let go, you know what I mean? Mm, I do. So is a solution to that just making sure that you are pretty clear about it and that you're pretty clear about what you're going to do when you no longer have your baby, when your baby leaves? Exactly right. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, great. And then the last one, John, so we just talked about are you personally ready to sell? The last one is, is the business prepared well? Tell me what you mean by that. Mm. It's a bit like selling a house, I guess. And this is probably the only similarity with selling a a house, when you're working in your business and you've been in the business for a long time, then you don't tend to see some of the flaws, some of the, you know, the presentation of the business. Does it look clean and tidy? Are things put away? Could somebody walk in tomorrow and be able to find things? Again, it comes to systems and processes. You know, we don't see 
we have blind spots to some of the faults and some of the um, presentation issues. You need to think about the lease as well. If the, if the business is location dependent, then obviously the lease is very important mm-hmm. and the willingness of the landlord to um, assign the lease and all these sort of things can become key issues as well. So for the owner, you need to be thinking of those things well in advance. Don't put the business on the market when there's only a couple of months to go on the lease or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, are you going to, if you own the freehold, then are you going to sell the freehold with the business or are you going to keep the freehold and collect the rent? In which case you need to find out what the market value rent is and be ready for all of that. The plant and equipment, if the business is dependent upon plant and equipment, what sort of condition is it in? Um, if it's coming towards the end of its life, then that's going to be a bit of a challenge as well. Mm. So you may need to spend a bit of money and get some of those things sorted out. Um, just the general, you know, if you've got premises, what's the paintwork, the signage like, things like that. Just common sense things, but quite often things that get, get overlooked. All, all of these things, Gian, if you get them right, help the business anyway, whether you're selling it or not. Um, so that's why, you know, a saleable business is well worth keeping because everything improves if you work on these things. Yeah, fantastic. So thank you, John. So we've gone through all six things. So let me summarize them again. So number one, know what your business is worth. Two is about your financials, getting them in order. Three is about improving the net profit. Four is making sure the business isn't dependent on the owner. Five is, are you personally ready to sell? And six is, is the business prepared well for sale? So John, I know there are a number of people who will want to find out more about this. So let's tell them how they can get a copy of this from you. But also tell me about the sort of clients you like to work with, what sort of things you do with them, and how they can get in touch with you. Okay, thanks again. Yeah, I guess my target market are obviously people who are looking to get their business ready for sale and sell it in a year or two. And uh, I I really go out there and talk to the uh, baby boomer business owners because I feel they're the ones that need the, the greatest help because they're coming up towards retirement and the market's going to be flooded with these guys trying to sell their business. It's going to be the best prepared ones. So I do it in a few ways. I work with people one-on-one on a coaching consulting basis. I run seminars to educate people on these things that we've been talking about today in a bit more detail. And I've got some business owner mentoring groups, which are groups of around a dozen people. We get together once a month We help each other, work on each other's business, provide a support group, uh, all done very confidentially. There are no competing uh, businesses in those groups. And some of those have been going for years. It's really uh, very popular. And you can find out about all of this on my website, which is johndenton.com.au. And if people would like to get in touch with me, Guillaume, that's probably the best place to go. So johndenton.com.au and go to the Contact Us tab and then they can just put a form in, tell me if they've got a question. Or what I'm doing now, Gian, is because I get a lot of people (laughs) call me up and want to buy me coffee. And if I had coffee with everybody that called up an offer, I'd be bouncing off the walls all day. Mm -hmm. And also it takes up a lot of time, but I'm quite prepared to have a 30-minute complimentary chat with people. I call it a virtual coffee chat. 
to talk about their particular situation and see if there's some area that I can be of service. And again, they can go to the website and the contact us tab and that's one of the options they can select and they can book a time on there with me through the website very easy and if they'd like a copy of this mind map then again if they go to the website and put in a form and just say can i have a copy of your mind map then i will email it to them brilliant uh, thanks very much, John. Thank you so much for sharing ideas and actually for distilling so many years of experience into these nice, these, these six steps and these six things, which I'm sure there's there's so much depth to them. And I know we've only covered them very briefly today, so I hope that people do get in touch with you. Um, any parting thoughts, any last thing that you'd like to leave people with? Yes, uh, my favorite um, tagline at the moment is build your business as if you're going to keep it forever, but could sell it tomorrow. And I think that sums up my whole philosophy, Gian. Um, build it as though you're going to live in it forever and it's going to give you income forever. But if somebody came along and knocked on your door tomorrow and said, here's my checkbook, how much do you want for your business? You would know what to ask for it and you could sell it tomorrow and walk away comfortably knowing it was going to be a fine sale and a win-win for both parties. Brilliant. John Denton, thanks very much. Thank you, Gian. Wasn't that just great? John's got so many insights into what makes a business work. And whether you're an individual business owner who's building a practice that'll last forever, or an entrepreneur who's building an empire, a business that you're going to sell eventually, I'm sure you got some value from that conversation. As John mentioned, there's a mind map that goes along with this interview, and I think it's a blueprint and a checklist for building a strong business. And you can get it by visiting his website, johndenton.com.au, and just drop him a line asking him for it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and found something valuable for your personal and professional life. If you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. That helps you promote it to other people as well. If you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. I also run a membership site for leaders to help with creating an online footprint, marketing your business, getting things done in a chaotic world, and delivering more magnetic messages. You can find out more at egurus.info. And if you want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com, where you can find my blog, newsletter, podcast, videos, and webinar series. All of these are free, and all are designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team, and of course yourself. That's at gihanperera.com, G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E. ERA.com. Thanks and bye for now. You've been listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.